what was going on. It, the world was really strange to me. And um, I took 220 Tylenol PM gel caps. The only thing I could get my hand on at the time, I woke up in ICU. Uh, they offered for, to me to go to this treatment center. On the way over to the treatment center, I talked my girlfriend into why I don't need it. Sure. Um, and shortly after that, you know, I, I got all my clothes. We're in her house. I pour bleach all over them. It's a nightmare. I got people coming over. I, I, I make it a trap house. Uh, and, and it was time for me to go. I got to go. And my buddy says he, he, that I met in prison. Prison says, why don't you come up here and move up to Minnesota with me, dude? This is where all your family is. You should see them. We'll get you sober. We'll do all these things. I get off the plane and we're over at the bar drinking, uh, you know, and, the, and then that escalates. One of my boys get out from California prison and I'm getting weed shipped to the to the front door. You know, we're getting five pounds so at you, a time. So you, go there, the to, you go there to change your life, right? Yep. You get sober and you uh, turn into a drug kingpin. And I'm set. I'm, I'm <laughs> set. I'm settling down, right? Uh -huh. And and uh, but I had a lot of amends to make to to my grandmother. And my grandfather had just passed. She was alone. She was driving over from Wisconsin to come pick me up. Um, and I would. I, I did that for about two months, and then I ignored her phone calls, my aunt's phone calls. Um, they freaked out. I I started reclusing. There it is again. Um, isolating. Like, yep. Yep. I, I I did all these things, and I found a crowd um, of meth users, and I I dove head first back into that, you know, we're doing the thing from Arizona to Minnesota. Um, or we're, we're driving around next thing, you know, I got stolen crotch rockets and all this crap in the garage. We're going to, I'm the best man at, at, at my buddy's wedding. Um, we, we found a guy that, that you know, was going to, uh, a preacher, uh, ordained minister. And he came in and he was a guy that we, we were shoot dope with. And we brought him in there. He, he showed up with a hooker, um, <laughs> The family, yeah, the family members were asking me, "Hey, why is this guy out in the parking lot getting his dick sucked?" Yeah, it was the craziest <laughs> thing ever, right? And uh -huh. and then, um, yeah, you know, and, and then I get the whole family spun out. I, I get their whole family spun out and, and tell them that it's cocaine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that Peruvian flake. I told them oh, that's yeah. why it burns so oh, bad. That's why. And uh, what a nightmare, man. And I just created more havoc up there, just like I do down here. So it was probably safe to say when they, at the wedding, when they played the electric slide, that everybody was really into it. They were into it. Oh, they were into it. Okay. They loved it. Yep. They, uh, they loved that. Yep. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> um, and we look back on those things. It's like, God, man, I think about all the, the harm that I've caused. And, you know, when I get sober, I, I think about the harm and it makes me feel real poorly about myself. And I hate the person I've become. And, you know, once I start to work recovery, I learned that it's because I have an allergic reaction to drugs and alcohol. It's this thing called craving. And, you know, it explains why I do the insanity and the, all these absurd actions and hurt the people I love the most. I'm not a bad person. I'm just a sick person with an untreated illness. When I treat this illness, I don't do those things, man. And I remember reading that in the doctor's opinion. It was the first time that I really got real hope that, you know, I'm not a bad person. If I treat this thing, I don't do those things. So ultimately, you know, the FBI got involved and yeah, there was, there was some, some federal cases had happened. Mm -hmm. I was hooked up with some pretty, some pretty bad individuals. Um, I jumped on an airplane. I came back down to Minnesota. So you came back down to, you came back down, right. uh, Arizona. Yeah, back down to Arizona. Okay. So you come me. back down to Arizona um, and, and you, you jump right back into the life. I mean, same thing yeah. same I, thing right i'm down here i get with my ex we go to the casino it's four o'clock in the morning i have 80 dollars in a machine um and I'm, i just want to leave i just want to go home and go to sleep i've been up forever and i hit for twelve thousand dollars Twelve grand yep mm. and um you know so of course i go out and buy myself a vehicle and sure I, and, and i buy a bunch of dope and i do all these things and i'm off and running again and so during this period of time you meet you know the mother of your children 
you have kids. I mean, you hit that 12 grand. If I can remember correctly, you had kids, right? And I think you've shared not this, at that time, not at this time. And so we think about it when we get large sums of money and when these things happen in our lives, you know, we can never seem to do the right thing. We always contribute to the problem. We never can, you know, live in the solution. That's ultimately what recovery is about. Identify the problem, find the solution. But we don't know that. We're incapable of doing that. So what we do is we live in the problem. And that's ultimately what you did. You live in the problem. Um, you caught another case, right? You caught some new cases. Uh, you got bonded out. You're going through the court process. You catch more cases. You get bonded out. You catch another case. Somehow you're getting bond. Um, but ultimately in 2015, you know, after, you know, multiple cases, you're sitting in on one, you actually get bonded out in this case. But the point I'm trying to get at is during this period of time <clears throat> in 2015, you're sitting in county jail and, and you make a phone call to, to Brittany, the mother of your child, um, your children. And uh, what was that phone call? Yeah, so I'll, I'm, I'm sitting in Fourth Avenue. I'm in I'm in a max pot again. Um they only let you out like six hours at a if time. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. And there's a Thursday the Thursday call. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of time. Um, and I, I just tell Brittany, I'm going to call you on Thursday. You got my cell phone. Please go over to my mom's house. At this point, my mom, she's not having it anymore. You know, she's there's no money on the phone. She's not doing that. And um, I call Brittany. She's, she's pulling up to my house. And there's the cops are everywhere. Um, and she says, I'm not going to stop there. And I, I, I force her over the phone, like, stop there. I don't care what's going on. Just stop there. They're probably looking for me anyways. Sure. Just let them know where I I'm mean, at. You've had, and you've had your parents' house raided by the SWAT team multiple times. Multiple times. Multiple times. So you give her, you call her. Um, she says she's on her way over so you can talk to your mom because there's no money on the phone. There's cops everywhere. She ultimately stops to see what's going on so you can get an explanation because you just assume they're there for you like always. But what are they really there for? Yeah, she hands the phone to my brother, and my brother gets on the phone and says, "Hey, mom, mom killed herself." Wow. Yep. And I was, I was devastated. I, I, I broke down. Um, just you know, the, the it's crazy. It, it doesn't matter what a mom does when, when, when you're young. It doesn't matter, you know, how how well they provided. That's your mom. Sure. You know, you you love them. You love them unconditionally, and to hear something like that is 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 extremely devastating not to mention i'm sitting in jail these things and it hits me right there like how much of a piece of shit that i've mm -hmm. been you know this person that i've been um and i want to cover up that pain immediately and i know that i have a thirty thousand dollar bond and i talk a bondsman into bonding me out yeah i'm sure you've used that bondsman multiple times multiple times oh, yeah. i had a few people bonded out on them and sure so ultimately he bonds you out man and, and you know and just like all those times, dude, the pain, the, the the things that we go through, the way that we feel and, you know, and, and drugs and alcohol are the solution. They're not the problem. They're the solution because when we use, we don't think, we don't feel, we don't care. And that's just the bottom line of it. And, you know, I think about all the times, you know, in my own life, you know, they weren't as extreme as that, you know, but, um, you know, I just, I get what I end up getting. If I do try to change, I get relief and I don't get recovery or I just go right back to using because I don't have any other solution. So you get you get bonded out on a thirty thousand dollar bond. You get bonded out, and and what do you do? They meet me outside of Fourth Avenue Jail, and uh, immediately I get in the van and get high. Immediately, immediately, yep. And it, it's all good, you know. We're gonna I'm gonna go to my mom's funeral. I'm gonna get clean. Um, my girlfriend is pregnant with uh, our daughter. We've already had our son. He's you know only a few months old. Uh, I have no plan. I have no nothing. I just knew that I needed to get bonded out 
and it, and it, it's sad, man, because I, I showed up to the funeral late. I didn't speak at it. I was acting a fool. Um, you know, and, and I, I look back at those times and it, and it hurts. I, I, there's a lot of pain associated with, with a lot of things that happened in my life. And particularly that one is stands out to me. And it took a lot of years um, and a lot of work behind it to, to begin to, to, I say, begin the healing process from those things. And, you know, alcoholics and addicts, man, we have an extreme tolerance for pain, dude. And, you know, we don't have to reach that threshold, but just the facts are is a lot of times we got to reach that pain a threshold to where actually we see the need for change and we're willing to do something different. You know, all these horrible things happen in your life and, and yet we get high right away and you actually catch another case after being bonded out, even bonded out. I can't even keep track. I mean, I'm doing prison math right now. Is it, you know, cross cancel this three times. Um, and you catch another case, man. And you're not even out two weeks and you catch another case. And ultimately, you know, just like same with me, I was out on three releases and I caught a new case, you know, that ultimately led to this last prison sentence. Um, so I'm in prison now at this time. And, you know, and, and you catch the case and you get another six and a half years in, in 2016. And ultimately, through going through the whole court process, that's when we meet. We meet in 2016, 17. We meet. Um, I shared the first experience. And I remember after that, I, you know, we're getting stripped out because they strip you out butt naked right spread them right after visitation every time it's just the demoralizing things that prison puts you through and uh you know and i remember i talked to you afterwards and i was like damn bro you had two girls come see you I said, all right <laughs> and that's how we first started talking right and so we start talking and you know after that we start to become friends and you know at this point um i lost my visits and i had a reservation that if i ever lost my visits i was going to get high again and as soon as i lost my visits i got high again um, and during this period of time, I'm, I'm not going to get into all the specifics of what me and you were going through, but we're making drops on the yard. We're selling dope on the yard. We have a cell phone on the yard. We're getting high all the time. Um, we're making moves. We're selling dope. And, you know, we would actually get high. I'll never forget it. Mike, big shout out to Mike Ross. What's um, up, Mike? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we would, and he hated to be around us when we would get high because we would just cry <laughs> yeah. about how we missed our kids and we missed our families, you know, and that's the insanity, man. Uh, I have all these fears in, in you know, of, of getting more time and, and not being a good father and not being there and my wife being with someone else and my kids calling someone else dad. But the facts are is that my actions, when I run on self-will, I do everything I possibly can to live in those fears. I mean, we're running around with felonies on us at all times. I mean, it's a phone just alone. Prison felony. Yeah, two and a half. We're getting high-speed foot chases with the cops. Uh, I mean, we're getting questioned. We're getting questioned constantly about what's going on. SSU so far up our ass. Um, and and you know, and that that went on for a while, dude. That went on for almost a year with me and you, man. And uh, um, ultimately, we there's a comes a point where. Um, I get moved to Kingman and you break away and you start to find a new path, man. And, and, and for, for you, it really starts with the fire crew, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. So you end up running into a guy named Sergeant Collins, right? And he had known, known some of your friends and the, the, the people from the streets and he'd heard about you. And one day you run into him and you have that conversation. And, and, and for me, I believe for you specifically in your path of, in your journey of recovery, that that conversation right there was the beginning of, of your transformation, becoming the man you are. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that conversation? So again, this first conversation, it, it's the beginning of the transformation. So I know I've said it a couple times now, but what was that? Because it's so meaningful. It's so powerful. And it was, again, the beginning 
of what's to come the person you are today so what was that first conversation like with that fire crew sergeant sergeant collins who by the way you're still in contact with he's a very important person in your life and the, the relationship and the friendship um that you guys have developed but what was that first conversation like <clears throat> yeah it was it was insane i had just come out of the bathroom I'm across the yard at a wbe class uh mandatory and i just got done getting high in this bathroom i come out and i see the fire truck drive by and i've always been curious about it i i know who he is he knows a little bit about me we, we he was SSU at Central Unit. He's SSU at North Unit. He's like a legend. Everybody loves him. He's like this great guy. And now we meet and I approach him and say, hey, do you guys have any openings on the fire crew? By the way, I know a couple people, this and that. We get to talking. Um, and he asked me, are you high? And I, I, I about like lost my mind. I didn't know what to say, right? But I, I, I don't know why I said it, but I just said, yeah. And he was like, how much time do you have left? And I said, I think I have about four and a half years left. And he said, I'm going to give you a chance. And, um, you know, no, nobody's ever said that before. Never. And ever. Um, especially being honest. I was sure. honest for the first time. And he he he, he reached out and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance. But by the time you get on my crew, you better be clean. Sure. Uh, and that, and that was... Um, that was that life-changing experience for me. And so that's, and we're, and we're speaking about the Florence fire crew, big shout out to all the Florence fire crew guys. And one of the most well-renowned fire crews in the state. And, and that's, that's no kidding. That's no lie. And, and the hardest working crew and um, the group of guys over the years that have been on that crew, I have the privilege of calling many of them, my friends. And, you know, so it was like an honor to be on that. There were two different crews um, shout out to superstition as well. But the Florence crew was the crew. And I don't care what anyone says. That's the truth. That was the crew. And so now you have this opportunity, but you're strung out. We, we, I mean, we're strung out together at this point. And so yeah, at this point, you're in the tents. He gives you the opportunity. You finish a WBE class, and it gives you the ability to be let go from that and actually get on the fire crew. And so you make that leap. And, and the fire crew lived on yard two. And so we, I still live on yard one. And you move to yard two, and I'm doing my thing, and you start to take your path. Um, so you get to yard two and, you know, you're trying to stay sober and you know, you got to get sober. And, you know, there's a lot of like rites of passage to the fire crew. And because I know all the guys, I know a little bit about it. Um, but they have this thing called the practical and, it, and it's no joke, right? So why don't you tell everyone your experience with the practical and just that whole day, for example, um, because there's two parts to this that makes this day such a pivotal moment for you. So what the practical look like for you? Sure. So you, you go through this training and you're at the office and you're, you're doing this weeks long worth of training. They're trying to jam pack you full of information. And, um, you know, you're wearing used boots and you have this 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 fire shirt on and you're getting taught by by, uh, you know, forest Department of Forestry and Fire Management. And other people are coming around from from different bureaus and, and teaching you. And it's just a lot of stuff going on. But I, I can't wait for it to be over because I just want to go through this practical and we go out to Tucson and uh, we go on a hike and it's, it's going to be, nobody knows what it's going to be. And, you know, I'm, I'm small, I'm smoked out. I've been clean for three days and, <laughs> you know, I don't feel good. Sure, sure. <laughs> and these guys get out and I've heard a lot of talk about bladder bags and this and that. And, um, you know, people, people talk about it, but, but, but Florence, you know, specifically breaks you off and they, they want to do that because sure. they don't want weak guys on the crew. They don't want people you know, unless you're willing to give everything it takes. It's like the Marine Corps. They break it down to build you up. Yep. And it, it, uh, they brought me on an 11 and a half mile hike. Well, did you say 11 and a half mile it hike? It was an 11 and a half mile. How much mile does the pack weigh? How much gone. does the bladder bag weigh? 
What are we talking total? So total with the weight? pack, they say they weigh forty, you know, forty five pounds. I would equate it for anywhere from thirty five to forty five, whatever you have in it. Um, and then you got the bladder bag. It's five gallons. Each gallon is eight pounds. Uh, and then you got these boots, man. I feel like you're walking on a piece of wood. And then you have, yeah, you know, you're 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 in full gear. So you got about hundred plus pounds on your back. You probably got around anywhere from you know seventy five to eighty five. Okay, so and, let, let me just set the set the tone for this. So you're three days sober. We've been on a sick one. I mean, I'm talking shot out. Three days sober, and you're about to approach an eleven mile hike with seventy to eighty pounds on your back. And when you put that pack on with the used boots, and you look at the bottom of this eleven mile hike you're about to go on. What are you thinking? I mean, I'm not thinking anything, right? <laughs> There's, I don't know how long it's going to be. I just know that we're going on a little hike, and everybody that has those seasoned vets on the crew are like, hey, you got this. You're going to be good. But I didn't feel good. Yeah. You know, I felt <laughs> like, holy fuck. And yeah. we're about half mile into this thing, and I think I'm going to die. But I'm watching dudes drop out from the, from another crew. We were, we were there with the Tucson crew, and guys were jumping in the back of the truck and tapping out. And um, everyone from our crew was like, really good shape, fit. And, and I just didn't live up to that. I wasn't that guy. I was super well known workouts fire crew. Shout out Reed. Shout out Reed. Yeah. Joey. Joey yep. Anderson. Joey Anderson. Shout out. Yep. Big Max. Yeah. Big Max. Um. You know, and and uh, Jeremy Campbell. Uh huh. And I'm in the last of the pack, and I finally make it to the top of our first stopping point. And I thought that was it. And I got to the top, and I, I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but I just started. I just busted out in tears. Sure. I was so proud of myself and I, I thought, Oh my God, I, I made it. And I hurt so bad. And I, and I told my buddy, uh, you know, Nick Lowry, uh, you know, big shout out to Nick. Shout out. And I said, uh, Oh man, I can't believe I made it. And he was like, dude, this is just a stopping point. <laughs> and I, and I thought, oh, shade up. oh my he said, God. Shade up. Nope. We, we had all line up and they were going to give us some, some commands where, where else we were going. And uh, we we're on the top of this, the, the first Ridge. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it. But something inside me, and this is the God, you know, this is a thing where, you, where it's unexplainable. You don't mm -hmm. know what happened. It just happened. Um, stuck with me, and I made it. And my feet were so blistered, you know. I I had to stop at the end of this, and Reed was taking my socks off. And our whole crew's looking at me like, you motherfucker, you, you, you scrub, you know. And I just felt so embarrassed and ashamed. But I knew, I was like, I'm going to make it to the end. I don't give a damn. Sure. What happens? I'm going to make it to the end. And I did. And I had blisters all over my feet. I was just wrecked. I looked like I had been up for 20 days. <laughs> yeah. I was miserable. <laughs> but you made it, man. And, you know, it's one of those times when you see those other people drop out and you say, not me. And it has a different meaning this time, dude. And uh, we think about those things. And, and so you make it and you finally make it back from Tucson. Um, and you had started a little bit of AA. Shout out to Josh, and you know he, you know, paved the way for both of us. And very big important. shout out to Josh. Yeah. yeah, he he. I remember him saying, "Hey, I don't want to leave you behind, man." At, at that point, I, I I knew I'd love this guy for the rest of my life. Sure. This was going to be my boy. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. And so that night, there, you know, came back. I mean, I'm sure, of course, you wanted to get some sleep. You're burned out. But you're trying to do things different, man. You're trying to make the necessary changes to be successful and become the person you want to be. And so there's a back to basics. And, you know, for the for the 12 step guys out there, it's a, where you do the steps in four one hour sessions over a prolonged period of time. And there were some guys shout out to Joey Landon um, who will come in and, and, and they would bring this back to basics. And, and you go there um, and you're in back to basics. And I remember you telling me that. You know, there's some things that you heard in there and you had to raise your hand. Will you, will you share that with everybody? 
yeah, I came back, you know, Matt, Matt Langford, the big Matt Langford, you know, the OG recovery. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he, he said, anything you can do, I want you to do it. And so I signed up for this class and Josh was going to it and Maui and all these guys. And um, I didn't want to go, but I, I drug my sorry ass in that class that night. And John Mulligan says, hey, who's here for their, for their first time in prison? And, you know, some guys raise their hand. And then he says, who's here for their second? And some, you know, guys raise their hand. You know, he gets into well, who, 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 who has family still? Oh, cool. You guys have family. Do they come visit you? And guys are like, Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. yeah cool, do. man. Yeah, do. Do, they, do they bring quarters? Hell yeah, they do. Nice. So you're getting fed. Yeah. Do they, do they, they put money on the phone and I have no clue where this guy's bringing this, you know, yeah. but he's pumping up our nuts, dude. So he can just deflate us really sure. quick. And I, you know, I'm raising my hand. Yeah. Yeah. He's got family. That's good. And uh, he looks around and he says, I still see you guys are manipulating your family members to get what you want. Right. still still mm-hmm. sucking the life out of a man just to, so you can feel comfortable and have a cigarette on the yard or a cup of coffee and i sunk down so low on my seat and i thought oh my god you're right that's me that's yeah, me and it's those realizations dude that we start to have dude we start to realize a whole bunch of different things man and it's those pivotal moments through awareness that we really start to see this the sum of our actions the t- totality of our of our thought process and our belief system and the false beliefs with things we believe to be true that are false and it's just so much, man. And so through that practical and having a spiritual experience by finishing that, they're going into back to basics, man. That ultimately leads into you truly starting the path of working a program of recovery, you know, and, and everything. The fellowship is so important, man, because we cannot do it alone. If we could do it alone, dude, we would have done it a long time ago. And that the power of God on North Union, we've already shared about that, but is I can't even describe what happened out there. Shout out to Miss Franz. Big and, shout out to Miss Franz. Big shout out. And you know, Matt Langford and you know, and and uh Matt Leathers and you know Maui, Ron, Maui and Ronnie Allen and and you know, I'm using full names, but I don't care. And Tyler and Tyler and just you the know the whole crew, just all these guys, and you were in the right place and you step you stuck with the herd and Jack and Jack and you know Brian and, yeah. and there's so many guys that I you know I couldn't even name them all. Um and there was a point where you actually had a sponsor, his name was Shane and Shane Beck. And, you know, you're you're kind of working the steps. You know you want recovery, but it's hard to shake it. And you threw up on him? <laughs> I did throw up on him. You threw up on your sponsor? Come, you know, Shane Shane was a, a hound dog. You know, he could read it on me. He knew what was going on. Uh-huh. And I would try to hide it from him and come over. And he said, all I want you to do is be honest with me. So I'd be like, yeah, I'm high. He'd be like, yo, you're fucking too honest. And this was previous to the whole fire crew. This was like right in, in that very beginning time period. So this is kind of out of order. But I didn't yeah. want to forget this story. And yeah. And so... You know, you just got done getting high and he comes up and, you know, he wants you to be honest. And can I talk to you and pulls me outside? And I'm like, yeah, we find a picnic table. And he's like telling a story about something, you know, trying to get my attention and and getting me to see the light. And I'm 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 so fucked up, man. I I just I I lean over. We're on a picnic bench and I just puke and goes all over his shoes. And he just (laughs) looked at me. And I, I said, hey, bro. New Balance shoes? Yeah. I oh, said, New Balance. The New Balance. You know, oh. they're fresh and white. You know, oh, Shane's yeah. a pretty boy. Uh-huh. And I said, uh, I got to go inside, dude. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> and I just left him because I didn't give a fuck, right? Yeah. I had that mentality of I don't care. Mm-hmm. And all, everyone's reaching out their hand to help. And I just said, screw it. And so now fast forward and, the, you know, the practical and everything that we just kind of talked about and having all the right people in your life and sticking with the herd and getting out of your own way and taking suggestions and being honest, open minded and willing, man. And you do these things, you know, and and, and I had a, an opportunity to have a fire crew group for the moderate treatment class that I taught and 
you know, experiencing that with you guys and really understanding how important that fire crew was. And in, in my just opinion, that fire crew was a path of recovery in itself. And I don't care what anyone Absolutely. says, it was a path of recovery in itself, but you had the, the, you know, privilege, if you will, of combining that with a 12 step program as well. And I think that that was something that just kind of catapulted you from there. Um, so you're on the fire crew and, you know, the progression of the disease is just like the progression of, of recovery. Recovery is a progression, too. So you go from being a guy who barely made the practical shot out fast forward now over the next couple of years. Not only, you know, let's let's the 12 step program. You're sponsoring guys. You work the steps multiple times. You're having spiritual experiences. You're attending all the meetings. You're talking to guys. You're doing anything you can to be of service. You're doing all these things. And that's at night, but during the day you're on the fire crew. And I mean, you worked your way all the way up to being, you know, that guy, the leader of the crew. Um, you know, what did that look like for you? It was, it, it was insane. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I huge shout out Jeremy Camel, Reed Emke, my fucking brother, Joey, uh, you know, Max, these, these guys, I got on this crew and, you know, there were some people there that I looked up to. Um, and I wanted what they had and I, and, and, you know, I did what they said to do and I, I brought something different to the crew. You know, I, I brought this AA program in there with me and we started working that and, and I worked my ass off every day. I got up, I went to the gate, you know, I didn't have a work ethic you know, I, I, I didn't work out as, as, as much as I probably should. I didn't do all these things. These guys taught me what to do and, and in listening to instruction and, and taking advice and doing these things with these guys. Yeah, it ultimately um, it led up to me, you know, being entrusted to that position, uh, along with Ruth, with Reed M. Key, and you know, it was it was it was just an honor and a privilege, man, to to lead these guys around and and have them look up to me, and it, it you know, it boosted my confidence and my self esteem when you know I, I probably shouldn't have been that guy, you know, and and here I am that guy, and I had to look back and go, what brought me here? How did I get here? You know, multiple meetings, doing you know making the correct decisions uh, and, and just holding myself accountable at all times, working with other guys, you know, picking you up. I, I don't know how many times I, I got with you, you know, and, and said, dude, I need to do another fifth step. Yeah. And so we, you know, everything is about action, you know, and when I came back to the yard and, and, you know, this is, I mean, we kind of fast forward a little bit, but I remember coming back to the yard and, you know, uh, Josh, man, I owed him some money and I got to a meeting. You guys have heard this if you listen to the other podcasts many times. And I go to this meeting only because I owed him money. And I walk in that room and I see you and I see Josh and I see some guys that I know. And just like I talked about in the, in the doctor's opinion, man, visual proof, man. And I knew it was you, but from there, all resemblance ended, man. The way you guys looked, the things you spoke of, how, how high you held your head, the tone of your voice, the look in your eyes. And I just knew that if you can do it, I could do it too. And you know, that very next day I, I end up Matt, you know, Matt Langford and, you know, I seen you and I end up saying, Hey, I think I need to get that dude as my sponsor. He walks across the yard, you call him over, I get a sponsor, my story's history from there. Um, and it's just all these things that we got to experience and do together. What a great time that was when you came walking across the yard. What, what a perfect time. It's like th those things are supposed to happen. It's whether or not we take action in those moments. Nothing happens in God's world by mistake, man. And when we do our part, 
um, you know, the blessings and the outcomes in our life continue to always be positive. And it's just, you know, it says on the third step, being all powerfully provided what we needed if we kept close to him, performed his work well. And his work for us to do is to take action, positive action, to be loving, to live with gratitude, to live in character assets, the best of our willingness each day. And in doing so, the outcomes continue to get blessed. But it's also having the right people. And we were in the right place at the right time with the right people, but we did our part. And so you took action over the next period of time. And we got to do this together. Um, you know, and and like you said, we, you know, we used to sit down and when when we both had the same sponsor and when he left, we kind of just worked together and closed mouth friends, co-sponsoring each other kind of thing. And we would sit there and there was this rec shack and we would sit in there for hours and we would go over our step work and make sure we were thorough and the stones were properly in place. And we started making all these plans for when we get we were going to get out. We got out within about a month or so of each other. Um, and we vigorously worked a program and our life continued to reflect it. And we continued to find internal happiness, even in prison, away from our family. And we found that happiness together. And now we get to do it out here. But I remember sitting in that rec shack and talking about all these plans and how we were going to put our program into action and the non-negotiables of our recovery and the goals that we have and the dreams that we wanted to accomplish and the things that we finally knew that we could do. And we did this over and over and over again in that rec shack, dude. And I'll never forget it. People coming in there to get medicine balls. We're still in there. We got papers out all over. <laughs> we're talking about shit we haven't told anyone. So they come in. We're quiet. We don't want anyone to hear what the hell we just said, you know, and, and the CO3's office was right there and everything echoed in there. So we're always looking to see if, if uh, shout out to Nacho. Oh, big Nacho. Odele <laughs> yeah. Nacho yeah. and, uh, you know, and all these things, man. And I, I remember those times. And so we, ultimately we both get out in 2001 and, you know, you had a lot of goals. Tell me some of your goals you had when you were going to get out. I wanted to, I wanted to get my kids back in my life was was the was the biggest goal and I I had these these dreams of you know um how that was going to go it didn't unfold the way I thought it was going to unfold it unfolded better sure um you know I, I wanted to get a, a a job you know that didn't unfold the way it unfolded better I I want <laughs> you know I wanted to be able to pay my bills um I I wanted to to make every probation appointment I wanted to make amends to my family. I wanted to take trips up to Minnesota to, to see my grandmother who's, who's 90 years old. I, I wanted to do these things. Uh, I wanted to be a light in my family's eyes, you know? And, um, and see the, the thing is, is every single one of those things. So today you have all three of your kids, man, you have all three of your kids. You know, um, every single goal that you wanted, you wanted, you had a plan for a job. It didn't work out that way because God has a better plan for us. It might not be on our time and the way we want it to work out. But if we stay the course and we do the next right thing, the outcomes always are better than anything we could have planned. You have a job where you make great money, you work with guys in recovery, you work with many of the guys that were in the fellowship together. You get a fellowship while you work and you make good money. I mean, I mean, material things don't make me happy, but I like them. And today you have, I mean, we're talking quads for the kids. We're talking dirt bikes. We're talking about a brand new lifted truck. We're talking about buying second homes. We're talking about, you've already taken trips to Minnesota. You're at dinners, you're experiencing birthday parties. You're being present in the relationships in your life. Every single goal that you had, you've been able to do, man. And that is nothing short of a miracle, but you can't just pray to do those things. You got to put the work in. And that's what you've done. You put the work in. Man, we got to go skydiving together. Oh, my God. What, a, what mean, an experience. Me, you and Joey and Jess and, and, <laughs> Josh. and, and Josh and Matt Rachel and, and, and Rachel and Tommy and Tommy and his girl. And just, I mean, dude, to do those things. And, um, you know, we get a You had a birthday party, dude, where 
30 guys showed up, dude. We get to bring each other gifts because we can do those things today. And it's just a testament to the program of recovery, dude, the fire crew, the guys in your life. But ultimately, it's a connection to a higher power. But you have to do the work, man. And you did that work and your life reflects it today. And we're not any different than anyone else, man. It's just suiting up and showing up, man, and, and getting out of our own way and taking suggestions. And in doing so, dude, today, dude, life is just a blessing, dude. Yeah, it, it definitely is a blessing. I, you know, I couldn't imagine it being this good. I knew it was going to be good. You know, we talked about it. You talked about it. everything that you talked about doing. You're doing. You got a podcast. You got a kid on the way. Um, you're home every night with your daughter. You, you know, you're working a phenomenal job. You're moving on your way up. You're speaking at conventions. You're you're doing everything that you wanted to do and that you said you were going to do, and you put your mind to it. Let's not forget our 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 our, our women in our lives. Let's not sure. forget your wife Ashley, and let's not forget Jess. Big shout out to Jess, Big Jessica Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Ashley, and Sarah. You you guys how phenomenal have you been how much of a um you know how much of a blessing you guys are in our lives sure. and and the things that you guys have put up with and the, that you do to watch us succeed and, i mean it takes everybody yeah it makes me want to cry yeah, you know? it <laughs> like it's it's it, it's a family you know it's a it's a community of people and and i i wouldn't i wouldn't be here without you guys and i i definitely um wouldn't be here without jess so and then and then the program you know so sure and so that's what it all looks like, dude. And you got two guys sitting here, dude, and, and sharing our stories with you guys. And ultimately, man, just like the stories in the back of the book, if you haven't read those, they all have happy endings, dude. And every single person that we know that's worked a vigorous, honest, and thorough program, dude, th- their life is just amazing. And they all have happy endings as well. So I want to thank you for being on the podcast, dude. Uh, and I love you, brother. I love you too. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for the next episode.